to the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your hosts, Jason Shepard and Lauren McClain. What is up, Cougar fans? We get to see it for yet another week. BYU is undefeated. Yeah, they are. They luckily made it out alive after three straight victories against Lone Star State opponents. And there was nothing creepy about the Cougars coming out on top. Hopefully, we're in for another treat tonight. Mm. Jeff, how many Halloween references do you think we'll be able to throw into today's show? Well, let's just say within the first 15 to 20 seconds, that was, what, two or three? So I'm going <laughs> to yep. probably at least say 30. And we're just getting started. This is an hour show, so we've got plenty of time to mix those in. What's up, everybody? Jason Shepard with you. Happy Halloween to everybody. Coming up on the show, we're going to get into the spooky spirit. See, there's another one. And talk about the scariest, yet another, BYU football uh-huh. players. So the scariest BYU football players. We're not talking about like physically like they're scary looking. Talking no. about like the way well, they maybe play. maybe some. Some of them we'll are. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. if if they are scary looking, we're not going to bring that up. We won't tell. We no, won't we won't say, say anything about, about them. On the air, at least. Yeah. So we'll talk about the scariest <laughs> BYU football players. Also get to know today's opponent like we always do on the program. It's the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. No, not the Big Reds. That's just the mascot's name. And speaking of the mascot, we got a lot of stuff to talk about the mascot. I, I, I'm still not weird. 100% sure what that is. I'm not either. It's it kinda, weird. Honestly. Like the first thing I think of when I see their mascot, and the mascot is named Big Big Red. They are the Hilltoppers. We'll also explain what where the the nickname comes from. But every time I look at that mascot, uh, Big Red, I, I for some reason I I don't know if it's Grimace from McDonald's <laughs> or if it's yes! or if it's or no or if it's like the the big uh, Mary McCheese. Like there's something <laughs> McDonald's related that always comes to mind when I think of that big red mascot. Look it up, you guys. It's literally a giant red blob. Yeah, with it's like eyes. a ball or a blob. Yeah. I, I, again, it's furry. He's called I Big guess. Red. He's called yeah. Big Red, and apparently they love him. Yeah, I guess so. Well, on the holiday where everyone loves putting on costumes and masks, we'll take a closer look at the creatures on the sidelines during every game. BYU and WKU boast two of the most popular mascots in college sports. We just mentioned one, the Big Red Blob. Sirius XM <laughs> ran a Twitter poll where Cosmo and Big Red were the two finalists. So leading up to the game this week, ESPNU held a virtual pep rally where the two mascots could face off. And we're going to listen to a clip from that event. Well, now, we're not going to actually hear from the mascots, right? Because mascots don't talk. hey No, they don't. Okay, so <laughs> that's what I... Somebody, somebody actually said, hey, you know what you should do? This was like an idea for BYU Sports Nation this week. Somebody said, somebody said why don't you get Cosmo and Big Red on the show and interview to them? To sit there in and silence. And I thought, well, since they don't talk... Uh, that may not necessarily fly as a segment. <laughs> I have to say that I actually have interacted with several Cosmos. Being being the sideline reporter for football, they've had to tell me, kind of whisper some things. I don't know if I'm even supposed to talk I, about that. I, I but, don't even know what you're talking about. Mascots I know, aren't, listen, I don't want to burst everyone's bubble. They are unable to talk. It caught me off guard. Literally, when <laughs> Cosmo came in, he whispered something in my ear. I remember I was sideline reporting one game, and I was like, Hah! like it kind of scared me. Like, no, you just don't, you don't talk. It. Yeah, you don't expect it at all. But before we get too excited for Halloween night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, let's look back on how the Cougs stayed unbeaten. BYU knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door and the top 10 uh, after a 52-14 to 14 blowout. We say that every week. A blowout, dominating performance. It's so fun. They destroyed the other team. Except for the Houston week. That was the one exception. No. What did they still won? It was the uh, UTSA. They blew out in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was UTSA. Yeah, UTSA was it. Or was it? Yeah, UTSA. Yep. It was the game right before Houston that 
again, we look back on that game where it was it was close, closer than we, certainly we all expected. That may have turned out to be a a blessing in disguise to kind of jumpstart the team for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think so too. Especially with Boise State on the horizon next week, and boy, next week's show is going to be fun previewing that one. But yeah, I mean, with what we've seen, this team's just continued to roll, and, and last week against Texas State was uh, was certainly no difference. That's right, and it was good to have fans back, by the way. That's just a little side note. 6,000 fans only, but it was so nice to hear actual real crowd noise at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And 6,000 more expected for the game tonight. So, I love uh, it. Everybody did, everybody did exactly what they needed to do so that for tonight, you can have fans back in again. Good work, everybody. Very Way nice. Follow the rules. BYU is pretty good at that for the most part. Absolutely. So Texas State scored first, Shep, and honestly, I was like, "I'm what? 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 What?" <laughs> well, it's because they came out with this weird formation where they had three <laughs> offensive linemen. When you you have five offensive linemen, but they came out with only three, and then put the other two offensive linemen far away, like in where you normally would line up a, <laughs> a wide receiver, and BYU was like. What? I'm sorry, what are you doing? Excuse me? What's what happening is, what here? is happening here? Do, 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 do. That's look, kind of what it look, felt like. But if you're if you're a team that's favored to lose, if you're like a 30-point <laughs> oh, yeah. underdog, you better be pulling out all the tricks. And it worked because BYU that had, did that. had no idea how to handle it. Now, after the first series, BYU adjusted, and then it was, it was game over at that point. But it still was kind of a sh- shocking to see how they went down and scored right out of the gate. They bulldozed. The Bobcats after that 28-0 run yeah. in the first half. Yeah. So BYU's like, yeah, we ain't playing that game. <laughs> We're not going to play that game. And then they, they got it going. It was awesome. And then BYU held Texas State to just 144 yards of offense before putting in the reserves midway through the third quarter. Shit. Yeah, basically, you had Zach Wilson playing a half, yep. putting up unreal numbers, including a pass that will certainly go down in his BYU highlight film. It will probably go down because I think we all anticipate that he will continue to be in the race for the Heisman at the end of the year. It will go into his Heisman highlight reel that they'll show um, at the end of the season as they're getting ready to announce the the winner of that. Like It was a pass from one side of the field. It was from the right side all the way across his body, across the field, into the end zone. 60, this, it was a, how many yards? Basically, the, the football was in the air for 64 yards for the touchdown. It was unbelievable. He rolled out to his right near the sideline, and coaches will always tell you, you never throw across your body to the other side of the field. Mm-hmm. Not only did he say, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway, yeah, because I can do this, it was all upper body, all arm strength, and 64 yards in the air. It was, it was a dime. Yes, it was a, it a, was a dime. Yes, a dime into the corner of the end zone. It was awesome. Listen, people call Taysom Hill Captain America. I, For good reason. Purely, yes, and he deserves that title. But the arm strength of Zach Wilson, my goodness. You know what? He needs, he needs a who, what it's, what's his superhero? Mm. Who's Zach Wilson? I don't know. We're going to have to think yeah, on that we'll one. Yeah, we'll think about that. You know, here's what... This is actually if if you if you're one I, I know there are some people that it's it's an either or situation you either watch college or you watch pro and then obviously a lot of people just watch football regardless of of what level it is but especially at the quarterback position you're starting to see this a lot in the NFL all of these quarterbacks regardless of the position of their legs and their lower body 
it's all upper body strength throwing the football. They're, they could have no, used to be you had to be able you had to like use your your legs to push mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. you got more on your pass. Nowadays they don't need it. I mean they they could not even you know they could be in mid run not being able to push off with their legs at all and make an unbelievable throw using just their arm. The the athleticism of quarterbacks these days is insane. I I feel like Lavelle Edwards would watch that pass and and be like, ugh, don't you just <laughs> yeah? Just because he was kind of the you know he's the one who started the the forward pass, one of the main guys, and so that definitely wasn't uh, what he started, wasn't in the plan. But things have definitely evolved, oh, and yeah. it makes it more fun to watch. It makes things more entertaining because you're like, how did he do that? Look, people. People like offense. Yeah. You know, they say defense wins championships, and, and a lot of times defense wins games, but everybody wants to see a good offense. That's just the way it is. It's true. Zach Wilson also had 16 receiving yards of a, a pass from Neil Pau. That's right. And a, and a good a great pass, pass from Neil Pau, as it a matter of fact. It was a really great pass. Yeah, BYU totaled 579 yards of offense in that game, almost 600 yards, including a 49-yard run by punter Ryan Rico, uh, which didn't go over super well. <laughs> Um, with uh, with Coach Satake, it was certainly not what they wanted when they had the big lead, and um, but I mean it was look it, it was certainly not anything that was called. And as soon as the game was over, Coach Satake went over and talked with Coach Spavital and made sure he knew that wasn't something that was called. And and Kalani said afterwards that th- that's actually what they practice. Right. That there's on on those rugby style punts, it's actually an option. And so he took the option. Speaking of of Ryan Rico and. Because that's what they're trained to do. Like, yeah, if, he if saw you, the opening. If you and he see ran. something, you're supposed to take yep. it. And so Kalani said, "That's on me. I should have just said, even even though no it's matter what we what. work on, we're just going to go ahead and yeah. kick it." So I mean, it certainly was. There was no malice. There, there was nothing. They were trying to run up the score, or try and you know demoralize you know Coach Spavital and his team. There was nothing of like that at all. Um, but yeah, it was it was certainly one of those things <laughs> after the game. And and on the ESPN broadcast, one of the broadcasters was kind of going off on it a little bit, yeah. which he ended up taking some heat from. BYU fans on social media afterwards, but I mean that's the world we live in hey, these days, right? No matter what you say, you're going to take some heat from <laughs> yes, BYU that's, fans. That's but, true. But that's yeah. Ryan Rico comes in, he starts hearing Rocky music in his ears, and, and he sees that hole, and he's like, dun, 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 oh, I'm dun, going, dun, man. Dun, dun, dun. oh my goodness, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. <laughs> hey, look. BYU's punter doesn't get to do a whole lot these no, days. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you need to take advantage when you have the ball in your hand, right? That's so true. So, so looking forward. BYU is heavily favored over the two and four Hilltoppers tonight, and uh, I think they're going to take care of business. I think they absolutely have to take care of business and do it in convincingly fashion, which they've done the past few weeks. And uh, I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. And in, the, in in these games, yes, it is hard that the schedule's not as good as it was going to be, but it is so much fun to watch BYU's offense against some of these lower tier teams. I have to admit, it's just fun to see this offense humming like it is right now i mean not only like the play calling is fun it's it's an entertaining offense that we're watching but then you put into place having zach wilson the quarterback and some of the throws he's making and the fact that the deep ball is certainly more part of the offense than what we've seen over the last you know couple of seasons now it's not because they didn't want to go deep but now it's just all working in terms of personnel and the opportunities and things like that. It's just a really fun team to watch right now. And and why wouldn't it be? You're you're undefeated. You're number eleven in the country. 
and you're, you, people are talking about you as, as if you can go undefeated. And, and obviously with the game next week at Boise State, I mean, that, that, it, everything's going to come down to that game on the Smurf turf oh, yeah. next Friday in, in Boise. Boise State ranked number 25 right now, by the way, after their first win against Utah State. BYU has never won on the blue turf. <sighs> Is that not an unreal statistic? Yeah, and you don't it, – it always gets brought up when, you, when you've never done something – and and it's funny because you know immediately I want to say well well this specific team has never lost up there yeah but but it, it it is something that's always brought up I mean until you do it that will always be a stat right until you beat Utah the stat's going to continue chucking up you know it's just it's it, one it's, of the similar yeah, it's, things it's, it's, it's a just very true. similar thing and it is crazy when you think of all of the talented teams that have gone up there. And look, they're just like in the Utah series, you know, there have been opportunities. These games are typically pretty close. And, and yeah. you have like a, a two-point conversion. B, BYU decides to go for it on two. They don't get it. Taysom's not able to get in. Right. You know, oh, don't you, even bring you, up The that. last time that, that BYU was up at Boise and, and Zach was the quarterback, uh-huh. you know, he didn't have – he thought he had some, some extra time. And BYU ran out of time, didn't yep. – and he t- ended up taking a sack, and yeah. they didn't have time down on the goal line. Yeah, on the and goal so line. it's it's not like there haven't been opportunities to snap that. Just like there've been opportunities against Utah, it just hasn't happened. Isn't it so interesting that there are some teams that year after year, so consistently, there are these tight, strange games. Yeah, like I feel like Boise State is definitely one of those. Utah is one of those. Utah State is usually one of those too. There's always something so strange that happens. And I don't know why. I don't know why that happens year after year. It does make it entertaining, but also stressful. And uh, so we'll see what happens next week. But Hilltoppers first. Yes. they got to get past them. Yeah, we can talk about Boise State. Right. I don't want the players thinking about Boise State. Because no. like you said, it's about taking care of business. And ahead of the Boise game, BYU needs to have another one of those performances that gets people's attention because the opponent is somebody that you're expected to beat handily. You need to go out there and do that. Mm-hmm. Keep up the high scores, the the wide margins of victory, so that you stay as high as you can in the polls, so that when, and I'm going to say when, BYU beats Boise, maybe you can jump even higher. So this, yeah. is, this is an important game in terms of staying relevant in the polls before the Boise game. The fact that BYU is knocking on the door of the top 10 with the schedule they've had. Yeah. Is absolutely incredible. But a bunch of teams start playing this week, too. So that could be a yep. little detrimental for BYU. So we'll, so even more so, they need to start playing just out of their minds. And even the win against Boise next week, I think, has to be pretty convincing as well to keep climbing and staying in the conversation. Coming up on the other side, we're going to get to know a little bit more about Western Kentucky. We're going to talk with a guy. His name is Paul Just. And he is a sports information director emeritus and a historian for the Hilltoppers. He has seen like 50, almost 60 years of athletics at Western Kentucky. We'll get the scoop on BYU's opponent coming in tonight, the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, when we come back on the Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back 
second to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. And I'm Jason Shepard. Stand up and cheer. It's the fight song bringing us back to talk about Western Kentucky. And I'm excited about this one. Paul Just is the official sports information director emeritus and historian for Western Kentucky University Athletics. We always try to talk with somebody that can give us the history of a program. And I think Paul will be able to do just that. First and foremost, Paul, thank you so much for joining us here in the Cougar Tailgate. My pleasure. Great to be with you. So how did you get into the job of historian for the athletic department? Is there a story behind that? I got older than everybody else. <laughs> well, that's probably part of it, right? I, I'm old and still around. And uh, and, and, sub, and uh, fortunately, I haven't lost all of my memory. So uh, uh, I retired some years back and started part-time the next day and help out in a variety of things, uh, manners and including uh, questions like uh, uh, you're wanting to ask, they usually wind up with me. Explain what it means to be the historian of the athletic department. You may have just touched on some of it right there, but what does does that title uh, mean in terms of responsibilities and things that you you may do? Well, um, I deal deal with uh, questions that arise that these younger folks won't be able to do with won't be able to answer without a lot of research. I know where to find some of those things, and I can help out in those ways. I deal with uh, part of that is uh, sort of alumni relations with former athletes. Uh, I serve as the executive director of our boost, our, uh, Letterman's Club, the uh, W Club, we call it, uh, is a big part of that. And uh, I work on special projects uh, the, uh, with the Hall of Fame. We have an athletic Hall of Fame, uh, have had it for I'm all pushing 30 years now, and uh, and just and just gone into a new uh, a new uh, uh, situation with that, where we're actually inducting not only individuals but teams, and uh, that's uh, the, I, I'm the one that kind of rides herd on that sort of thing. We recently, oh, well, I say recently. When you get old, recent means a lot of different things. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, we. We celebrated the 100th anniversary of our first athletic event in 2010, and we started a project that time and created a, uh, a museum uh, encircling uh, the main concourse in EA Diddle Arena, uh, uh, celebrating the history of, of Western athletics. And uh, I served as the chairman of that project and did most of the writing for it. And, uh, digging into things that, you know, I thought I knew a lot about what went on here until I started to work on that. <laughs> uh, I learned more than I knew, but, uh, those are the kind of things I deal with. Well, good for you. That's gotta be really fun to be able to still be a part of that program and, and, uh, just, just keep working, keep going. And, and Paul, who are some of the prominent names we should be familiar with when it comes to Western Kentucky athletics through the years? Well, uh, in all sports, yeah. um, the, um, We've had a great number of football players that have done quite well. Of course, we played in the early days. Uh, there wasn't much organization. And then the NCAA comes along in 19, what was it, 38 or 39, and things begin developing. Uh, we played college division at that time. And the, and the major schools were in university division. And I would assume BYU has been all along, probably so. Uh, and uh, uh, then we went from there to Division One and Division Two. And we were Division Two. Then they, then they created one Double A for the for the larger uh, the former Division Two schools as a, as a part of Division One. 
and then we moved up to Division One A. Now, you know, football bowl uh, group, and uh, uh, we we did that back about uh, twelve years ago, two thousand eight. Uh, so uh, that that's kind of that's kind of the sequence there. And I'm not sure. I think I rambled and got away from the question. But that was some of the background for it. Well, here's one thing that I think a lot of people are curious about. And correct me if I'm wrong. So the the name of the mas or not the mascot, but the the nickname of the of the athletic department is the Hilltoppers, and that comes from the fact that the campus is on top of a hill. Right? It's as simple as that. Correct? The original part of the campus was on a hill, about 350 feet above. Uh, in the community of Bowling Green is situated on the Barren River in South Central Kentucky, and uh, the elevation of the campus uh, was uh, about 350 some feet above the plain where the rest of the town and the river were. Uh, for a long time, uh, like a lot of regional schools uh, with Western and Eastern type names and variety around the country, it originated as teachers' colleges, and uh, that's why that's the way it happened here. Uh, and when they started sports, they didn't have a nickname. Uh, generally, they referred to, were referred to as the teachers or the pedagogues, which <laughs> if pull the dictionary out, have to work it out. I would have to. I was going to say, what is that? <laughs> That's a teacher. Okay. Uh, I, I guess it's Greek. It's, it's certainly Greek to me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, then in the in the mid nineteen twenties, uh, they began. Uh, Coach Diddle had come here. E. A. Diddle. And uh, said, so we got to have some kind of nickname. And uh, so they bounced around a few, a few, a few things around. I don't know what all they used. But they, they, they determined that Hilltoppers would suit our campus. So we've been that ever since. And uh, there are some other schools. The, the Hilltopper nickname was, oh, Marquette was originally Hilltoppers. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Uh, 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 Saint uh, Saint Edward, I think, college in Austin, Texas, is Hilltoppers. Uh, West Liberty State, a Division II school in West Virginia, is Hilltoppers. And there are a few others. The most interesting one, though, uh, that uh, when I went stumbling onto the history of that name, was that uh, the original nickname of the New York Yankees was Hilltoppers. Hey, really? Look at that! Yeah, isn't that kind of neat? Uh, they 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 originally played. This is back in the 1800s, and I'm paraphrasing, and I may get something wrong, but that's it. Basically, they originally played in a park that was on a hill in the Bronx, and uh, uh, and they didn't have another nickname, and that got to be picked on, and it happened. But uh, we're proud to wear it. It's uh, uh, it's it served us well, and it's it's symbolic of the the geography of our campus. Paul, you know your stuff. You you know a lot that's, of information. He's the historian. I know. You, I know that's your job. But my goodness, who? Well, you might uh, you might want to be on to tell the truth and then figure out whether I'm the one lying or telling the We're currently the googling truth. all the all the facts you're spitting out here. So, no. now, so Paul, now here's here's we're gonna take this to the next level. Explaining the Hilltoppers was pretty easy. That that's somewhat self-explanatory. Now the logo is a waving towel, and the mascot. Quite honestly, I'm not quite sure what Big Red is. So, give everybody an idea uh, about the identity that Western Kentucky has built in terms of the mascot and the waving towel, and kind of the history behind that stuff. Well, they're all tied together. Uh, 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 of course, E. A. Diddle was the, co- the basketball coach here for 42 seasons. 
uh, at that time, at the time he retired, he was the winningest coach in the history of college basketball, and uh, and he has coached more years at one school than anyone else in the country. Uh, oh, uh, Ray, uh, what's his name? He used to be at DePaul. Tied him in, in that regard. Uh, gosh, I know his name. I can't think it. But uh, anyhow, uh, Coach Stew uh, was uh, uh, pretty excitable. And uh, he came here in 1922 and, and retired in 1964. Uh, but he always uh, nervous on the on the bench and, and chewing on a towel and throwing it and get excited. He'd throw it in the air. He'd use it to slap the floor. Uh, and uh, he was also using it as a system to signal his players uh, <laughs> until until some point in the 1940s. I don't remember exactly when mid 1940s I think uh, coaches. Uh, weren't allowed to talk to their players during the game. Uh, so he, he had to have a signaling system, so he used the towel. Uh, then it, that, after World War II was over, uh, we were began to have more more people active in PE and sports and things, and uh, they began to have a disagreement on uh, which towels belonged to the PE department and which towels belonged to the, bas- the, the bas- basketball and football teams. So they decided, why don't we dye the towels? We'll get some dye some towels red, <laughs> and that'll be the athlete the athletics towels. And they and then they they went, and then they decided those towels got dirty and they put them in a washing machine. And then they had pink towels. <laughs> <laughs> Something everybody can understand that does laundry these days, right? Yeah, uh, the uh, it uh, it was uh, quite a it was created quite a problem. Uh, but the athletic director and the assistant coach got together, got a hold, I think, of the Cannon Towel Company. I believe it was Cannon, uh, and asked them if they could provide them permanently colored red towels. So um, we've been <laughs> wow. using it ever since. So that's where it came from, and it was his trademark. He carried it with him everywhere. It was white originally, but it was red after we did those, which was a school color, of course. Of course, and then. Uh, as things evolved, uh, Coach Diller retired, and John Oldham took over as a head coach. He was the coach that took us to the Final Four in 1971. After that 71 season, the AD retired, and, jo- and John uh, was promoted to the athletic director. And he wanted, he thought we needed a logo. And we've actually got his original sketch that he sent to an artist, a professor on campus that was a noted artist. And that artist took his sketch and created original version of that red towel logo so that's wow. been uh, and people come to games with red towels maybe not as much as they used to but they still do still quite a bit of it and they uh they uh, they wave them and they've been waving them since the 1950s 1940s so all these other people <laughs> like these these pro sports and these other schools have gone around thinking they got a great deal on a, on a, on a towel they don't they got to realize it started here that is, I so, love that. Yeah, so take story. that, Steelers fans. Yeah, How about no that? Kidding. You and your terrible yeah. towels, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say Steelers about loud, but uh, <laughs> we'll say it for you. Yeah, but we uh, we we've, we've been doing it here a long time, and we've got some great photos of you know, the arena seats at one time seated thirteen thousand people, and when that place was packed and and, and the red towels were up big, it was pretty intimidating. <laughs> I love that story so That's much. That's great. That, that is a really good story. Paul, after this interview's finished, I'm going to le- legitimately go back and fact-check everything you've said. And if it's even 50% correct, 
I'm going to be really impressed with you. So <laughs> yeah, well, you, you're you're spitting out some really good facts. This is awesome. I love it. You don't need to do this. This is entertainment, right? <laughs> yeah. That's right. No. Yeah. So so you've lived in and bullying. It's not politics. No, it's true. No. no, no, we won't fact check you. We'll, we'll take it for yeah. face value. You've lived in Bowling Green for quite some time. What's your favorite part of the college town environment there? Oh, geez. That's, uh, gosh, all of it. <laughs> I, just, I just know that when, uh, when I came out of high school thinking I was going to be gonna come over here and get a degree and go back to my high school, I'm teaching coach and never did that. Uh, I have, uh, loved my hometown, but I, I this, uh, this, uh, I guess the best thing here is it's an exceptional young gown relationship. We have a community, uh, uh, the, the the city and the and, it, and its immediate environs is uh, probably around 100,000 people. Uh, we've got uh, about 20,000 on campus. Uh, we've got the city is not so big that it overwhelms the school. Uh, neither is the school so big uh, that it overwhelms the city. Uh, it's just a nice balance. It's a good place. It's been it's been good people. Uh, I've been been here 55 years and I've enjoyed. Well, nobody enjoys everything. I've enjoyed 98 percent of what, what <laughs> that's I've experienced pretty good. here, and I figure that's uh, well, there's a little town about six, 30, 40 miles from here that says uh, a little sign going into that town says it's the home of 3,000 happy souls and a few a few sore heads. And uh, it, I figure I figure it doesn't get any better than that. There you go. <laughs> We're talking with Paul Just. He's the official sports information director emeritus and historian for Western Kentucky University. Now, I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, Paul. Um, as somebody that's been around athletics for a long time and, you, and you've seen a lot of sports, I'm curious what your impression and what your um, knowledge is of BYU. This will be the first time these two teams have faced each other in football Based on just maybe being a casual sports fan and BYU having the history that it does, what do you know about BYU? What have been your impressions from afar of BYU football? Well, it's a beautiful campus. I have been on the campus a long time ago. And uh, the arena, they still playing in the same place? Yep. Yep, Lavelle Edwards yeah. Stadium. Yeah, it used to be Cougar Stadium. Yeah, that, how big? It's huge. 64,000 yeah, six, yeah, fans. Yeah, just under 64, yeah. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. In basketball. Oh, in there. basketball, the Marriott Center. Well, yeah, it, it, it was used played, to be the Smith Field House. Yeah, it used House. to be at the Smith Field House prior to the Marriott Center, but the Marriott Center's been here for quite a while. Yeah, like 20,000 seats or so. Yep, or exactly. Like yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's the, that's the one I was probably, uh, probably been 30 years ago or so. But I know it's a beautiful place, and uh, I know they've got a great reputation and, uh, and had some great people come out of that sports program. Uh, particularly football and basketball, I'm not too, as as aware of. Uh, well, I'm not aware of a lot of details, uh, but uh, particularly not uh, the other sports. And I'm sure they got a well-rounded program altogether. One of my former uh, assistants uh, spent some spent several years there uh, as an assistant in the SID's office. Who was that? And, uh, his name was Jeff Reynolds. I know uh, Jeff Reynolds. You know Jeff Reynolds. Now he's a volleyball. He's coach a volleyball coach down College. at Snow. That's right. Jeff worked Small for me world. for two years. As, a, as an intern and one of the best interns I ever had, and 
he's a he's a sharp young man. Yeah, uh, but uh, I know it's, they put out good people. Uh, it's uh, I'm I, I know it's uh, it's going to be quite a test for us tomorrow, uh, but uh, uh, we'll. We'll give it our best. We'll give it our best. Our coach does a good job of getting them up for games and getting them prepared. Uh, and uh, we'll, we'll give her a good shot. I understand you got a quarterback that's playing pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, playing he's decently a, well. He's on a roll, to say the very least, right now. Yes. <laughs> yes, Paul. And, and speaking of Western Kentucky and and the game tonight, what is a player or storyline about this year's squad that BYU fans can look out for while watching the game? Well, uh, the storyline. We uh, uh, we've we've struggled. Uh, we've shown we've shown we've shown some some good play at times, uh, but we we haven't we have improved. Uh, we're coming off of a wonderful year. It ended in a wonderful way. Uh, a kid kicked kicked a fifty two yard field goal with no time on the clock. Uh, after the other team had twelve men on the field for the uh, when they when he kicked it the first time, uh, but. Uh, uh, we're a developing team. Uh, uh, we, we have, uh, we have a lot of, uh, we have some experience in the lines and, uh, and, and we are compet. We, we do our darndest to be competitive. Uh, we've lost a couple of tough ones. We won a couple of close ones. Uh, it's, uh, part of the game and, uh, uh, we still have hopes uh, of having a, a fine second half of the season. Paul, we've got one last question for you before we let you go, and we thank you so much for giving us uh, this amount of time today. We, we certainly appreciate it. But and, and this is something you do not have to be a historian of any university to be able to answer. So we're going to end with a, a complete softball. Since it is Halloween, what kind of Halloween candy is your favorite? What is the go-to candy for Halloween in the Just House? <laughs> Well, uh, considering try, I'm trying to lose weight, <laughs> it would be whatever is sugar-free, probably. Well, there's no fun in that, uh, Paul. Oh, come on, but, Paul. Uh, uh, but, but, but if I had a favorite all time, it would be a Hershey with almonds. Ooh, okay. Very nice. That's my dad's favorite, too. That's a good one. Yeah. Dead center on the chocolate with good old almonds in there, too, just to break it up. <laughs> you can't go wrong. But, uh, no. Can't go wrong Not with that. All. Yep. All right, Paul Jess has been with Western Kentucky Athletics for the better part of six decades. Thank you so much for giving us some stories of the program and from your time there. My pleasure. Great to, great to be with both of you. That was, uh, that was awesome. It's, look, when, when you've been around a program like that um, for that long, to be able to have that knowledge and especially to be able to recall that knowledge like that, that, that is an absolute skill and somebody that clearly not only has, has been around it but cares about that program. That that was I, I really enjoyed that. That was great. I did too. I, I can barely recall what I had for breakfast. <laughs> I could never be the historian of a school, so I was fascinated with everything that Paul had to say. He's he's a fantastic guy. That was that was I'm grateful that he got to come on with us. And now I want a Hershey bar with almonds. So that do sounds I. pretty good. It's my dad's favorite, so it's kind of nostalgic for me. When he said that, I'm like, oh, yeah, with almonds. I love it. All right, coming up next, it's Halloween here on Cougar Tailgate. Uh, we're going to look at some of the scariest football players in BYU history. Ooh. Are you scared? Don't go anywhere. That's right. We'll be, we'll be right back.
Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. My name is Jason Shepard. And I am Lauren McLean. Today is Halloween, and whether you're really into decorating the house, dressing up, and scaring all the neighborhood kids. Or Who doesn't like the, to scare uh, kids, right? I do, I do, for sure. And more along the lines of <laughs> cuddling up to watch the great pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It is the one day a year where we let ourselves get scared, even just a little bit. Okay, before we get into this this topic, <laughs> fan of Halloween or not? Fan. Okay, I am not. Why? It is my least favorite holiday of the year by far. Because you are <laughs> scared of things? I, you... I don't like to be scared. I am not comfortable dressing up. <laughs> I try not to eat a ton of sweets. Okay. Like all three of those things, you it's you paramount. hate fun. You <laughs> hate fun. You hate. I knew, I, knew I was going to hear that. I knew I was going to hear that. Shep, I... but knowing knowing how picky you are with the food you oh, eat yes. and things, yes. Shep is a very picky guy. By the way, you guys yes. just thrown out there, so that makes sense to me. Okay, that makes sense that that you don't love it. So we'll balance each other out though today. It being Halloween, you love Halloween. Yep. I hate it. Yep. Okay, it's... so we're balancing we're each other out. out. We're okay, good. That's good. Here you go. Let's continue. All right. All year. Zach Wilson has been giving opposing defensive coordinators nightmares. <laughs> Chug it up. Right now, let's talk about the other scariest players in BYU history. Shep, you start. All right. How about we start? And again, scary. Uh, I'm going to define <laughs> scary as scary for the opponent. Because yep. there's nothing scary about Kairos Tonga if you know him. In fact, a gentle giant. the guy is a just a big teddy bear. But I'm going to go with Kairos Tongo because I know in talking with opposing head coaches for for pregame on the radio, I know how scared opposing coaches are of Kairos Tonga. Oh, yeah. Because they all know where number 95 is when they are getting ready for a football game against BYU. They know Kairos Tonga. The guy officially listed at 6'4", 321, and, and this is a guy... That when you're only rushing three, as BYU's defensive line does, the fact that he can, by himself, handle essentially both gaps in front of him, the two gaps in front of him, tells you all you need to know about his talents. And I do want to tell a story about Kairos Tonga in terms of him not being a scary human being, just being (laughs) an absolute teddy bear. So two seasons ago now, it was, and I may have told this story before in, in other areas, so if you've heard this, this will be a little refresher. So there was the BYU Fan Fest that we've had over the last couple of years, and in Nashville two years ago, Kyrus happened to be one of the players that was there. And so it was May in Tennessee. Obviously, you're in the Midwest, so you have a lot of humidity. And that day was pretty warm and had a lot of humidity, as you would certainly expect at that time of the year. And I remember... Being behind the autograph line for Kyrus and the other players that were there, and there was this this woman, this older woman, who was kind of walking in circles, just kind of trying to see where she wanted to go. And you could tell she was really, really hot. I mean, like it, yeah, it was it, it was human. really affecting her. And I see Kyrus Tonga get up out of his seat, walk over. There was a cooler by where they were at. Grab a bottle of water and walk out to her and say, "Ma'am, would you mm. like this bottle of water?" Oh, he was what a so, sweet... And you I, can't and tell a pregnant I, in these stories. I interviewed him after I said, Kairos, you're just a big softie, aren't you? You you actually shared a chair with Kairos Tonga, did, did not, you not? Not just a chair. We shared a swing. A swing. That's right. We shared a swing, a swing in Nashville. Tennessee. So that is a story scary for the opponents, <laughs> not a scary human being. He is a great human being and a softie. So I'm going to go with Kairos Tonga for one of mine. Who are you going to go with? I love that. One of mine, kind of along those same lines... 
the furthest from scary human being there is <laughs> is Dennis Pitta. Yes. We all know and love Dennis Pitta. He's absolutely hilarious. But again, for the opposing team, he was a scary guy because he when he started his career, he was unassuming. He was a preferred walk-on. No one even paid attention to the guy. And then he ends up as being one of the best tight ends in the country and probably the best tight end in BYU history. I like this little stat. Uh in 2009, he was, stats-wise, the best uh, tight end in college football, but the Mackey Award went to Aaron Hernandez from Florida instead. Interesting. Very interesting there. But Pitta had 2,901 receiving yards on 221 receptions in his four years with the Cougars. Very scary. Had a very great a great NFL career before, before he got hurt. Yes, and he, and he played a, a huge role with the Baltimore Ravens, so much so that they loved him. Even after he retired, yep. they made him stay and do some... Is it radio? He does some radio broadcasts for him? Yeah, I don't know if he still does that. I don't know if he's doing them this year, but yeah, I know as of last year he was still yeah. doing them. I, I guess maybe... I, I maybe need to find out if he's still doing those, but, well, he and Joe Flacco were like best friends. Oh, yeah. for On, on the field and off. They love to hang out, and then obviously if you're Joe Flacco back in the day with the Ravens, and you've got a guy that's as sure-handed as Dennis Pitta. Yeah, of course he's going to be your best friend. Well, that's why I think he's he's up there in the scariest players because he's so unassuming. Like if you know him off the field, you're like Psh, this guy. You know what I'm saying? You're, he doesn't scare you in the slightest. And then he's a he's a force to be reckoned with on the field. All right, let's stay in the AFC North in terms of uh, former Cougars that ended up in that division. We're going to go with Brett Kiesel. Yeah, uh, he's another defensive lineman. I the went with Kyrus with uh, with one of mine. Stay on the defensive line with Brett Kiesel. How could you not be scared of a guy whose personal brand became Fear the Beard? Now, that certainly was not while he was at BYU because of the grooming standards. There was no beard, uh, <laughs> but his stats speak for themselves. At BYU. There was a reason why the Steelers drafted him. I don't and think it, he'll be offended by saying he actually looks scary, too. Well, I don't think he'd be offended by look, that. Look, and, and look, the beard became a trademark of his, and he even parlayed that into a role in The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> yeah. So his character, you know, spoiler alert, I know the movie's been out for over a decade, but spoiler alert, uh, has it been out a decade Someone's going to call in, how dare you? Like, how dare you? It was on my, so oh, my to-do least, list to watch this weekend. <laughs> at least a decade. <laughs> yeah. At least a decade. So he dies. He dies yeah. in the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, field collapses. The field, yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. So again, spoiler alert, we apologize <laughs> if you're hoping that Brett Kiesel is the hero of the of the story. But yeah, He's so not. I'm going to go with Brett Kiesel as one of my other scariest players for BYU. And he is a great human being. He, I interviewed him on the sideline a couple years ago, and he was hysterical. Love the guy. Okay, my next one, who actually does scare me a little bit, I'm not going to lie to you, Luke Staley. Luke Staley. His calves oh, scare me. Oh, Biggest he, calves I've ever seen in they my are life. huge. No, I know. My goodness. No wonder why he did so well as a running back, but couldn't stay healthy. Dang know, it. That was such a shame. his Achilles heel. But Staley's junior season, he rushed for uh, over 1,500 yards and scored 24 touchdowns on 8.1 yards per carry. Those numbers are in Staley, the Doak Walker Award, given to the best running back in college football. And that was in just 11 games because he was injured. I remember watching him receive that award and he was on crutches. Yes, that's right. Poor guy. He was a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Yeah, he was. He certainly gets mentioned as one of the best running backs ever at BYU. And I'm still not sure that's giving him his just due. He was a dominating running back at yeah. BYU. I mean, he he was that perfect combination of... The bulk and the size that you want for a bruising back, 
but also had this unbelievable speed. I, I think the highlight that that almost every BYU fan that was around at that time was when he runs around the side in the Utah game mm-hmm. for the for the winning touchdown, and like. I still get chills thinking about that moment. I was in the press box um, covering that for one of the sports radio stations in Salt Lake. And, and, I mean, I had chills then, and I still have chills now even thinking (laughs) thinking about that that touchdown. That's a good one. Luke Staley, that's a good one. I'm pretty sure BYU fans wept when he got injured. I think it was against Hawaii, was it not? It was against Mississippi State. He didn't get to play against Hawaii. That's right, that's right. All right, my last one is... Certainly not scary. He's not a scary person, but scary in his game and how the opposing team viewed him. And that's Jim McMahon. Obviously, <laughs> an, an unbelievable one, one of the greatest quarterbacks. And you could certainly make the case the greatest quarterback to ever play at BYU. We, we know how dominant he was. Let me just give you his career totals. So his career totals while at BYU, 9,536 passing yards. 84 touchdowns, and that doesn't even include bowl games, by the way, okay? McMahon left college with 70, 7-0 NCAA records and tied for one more. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. His game, certainly scary, and by that I mean scary good. (laughs) It's so fun reading Steve Young's um, autobiography when he talks about being behind Jim McMahon and just how intimidated he was because how good he was yeah. in in all of college football at that time. He was so dominant. He and, would just come out and dominate games. And his and his persona, his yes. like his like, personality, I don't care. yes, I'd... was was it honestly? <laughs> I've got to assume it was super intimidating. I'm sure. You know what I mean? He's still intimidating with those glasses, that yeah. he, his sunglasses that he never takes off. Intimidating guy. Very but, intimidating. All right, who's your last one? My last one is last but not least, Ziggy Ansah. Love Ziggy. My goodness. Guy comes from Ghana. He tries out for the track team, but he's running people over. He was too big to run track. So they had him go try out for basketball. And Dave Rose is like, I think you need to play football, man. (laughs) I'm going to send you over to Bronco Mendenhall. And then Kyle Van Noy, bless his heart, has to help him put on his pads and tie up his cleats. And then he becomes the fifth pick overall in the draft in 2013. The guy's 6'5", 275 pounds. And he's doing great in the NFL right now. Yeah, he had to, he dealt with some injuries over the last couple of seasons, but now he's with the San Francisco 49ers. And, yeah, I mean, this is a guy, unbelievable story yep. to begin with. And the fact that he's he's even in the NFL, honestly, you, we see all these, very, these inspirational sports movies from Disney. Ziggy Ansah absolutely could be one of those stories that Disney produces and comes out with a movie about his life. I mean, it's it's that good. Love that guy. Well, guys, let Shep and I know. Tweet at us what you think are some of the scariest BYU players, football players in history, because I would love to know what your thoughts are, because we left out a lot of very scary guys on the field. But coming up next, we're going to be uh, talking about the two mascots, Cosmo the Cougar and Big Red from uh, Western Kentucky. Who's the best? Their mascot is not a stick of the gum, by the way. (laughs) No, it's not. It's definitely not that. A big, it's a big red blob. But anyway, we're going to ESPNU did a little virtual pep rally. We're going to listen to a little bit of that coming up on the Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back. 
back into Cougar Tailgate. I'm Jason Shepard. And I'm Lauren McLean. Early in the program today, WKU's historian and emeritus sports information director, Paul Jess, who was a great, great guy, by the way, taught us some of the story behind the Hilltoppers' famous ambiguous mascot, Big Red. And remember, if you miss any of the show today, you can always go back and check out the podcast feed wherever you get podcasts or at BYUradio.org. So Big Red, Shep, is, is famous for being weird. <laughs> like weird I don't looking. I don't know. Again, yeah, yeah, yeah. N- nothing to do with the school. Like oh, him, of course not. Literally looking at the mascot, you're like, huh? What are you? What? <laughs> anyway, kind of like gritty or the Philly fanatic or the Stanford tree. Sometimes mascots are loved just because they're a little goofy. All right, we know that Big Red is at least Twitter famous though, because when SiriusXM ran a Twitter poll earlier in the pandemic to find the greatest college football mascot and forgot to include Big Red. The fans rioted of Western Kentucky. Yeah, the Hilltopper fans were a little upset. And by the way, they also forgot the three-point dunking, halftime dancing, empty stadium bowling, Cosmo the Cougar as well. How do you forget both of those? Now that's the real travesty. Agreed. But how do you forget both of those mascots? So, as Twitter likes to do, they raised a little bit of a ruckus on both sides, and Twitter honestly was forced to listen to the fans and actually inserted BYU and Western Kentucky's mascot into the play-in games, so they were the 16 seeds on opposite sides of the bracket, and of course, these two underdogs, you could even call them the Cinderella's, if you will, went all the way to the championship, prompting Twitter to demand a game to find out who the true best mascot is. And when schedules were upended, the two schools found a way to make it happen. Cosmo the Cougar was trending number one in the... Na- no, I'm just kidding. But I wouldn't be surprised that day. It was it was absolute oh, uh, yes. mayhem to it, get them on the list. Look, and if there's anything BYU fans love to do, it is to jimmer a pole. If there is, they will, they will, and by the way, if you're not familiar with the term, that just means go and vote. Take it over. Take it over. Yes. Yep. That, the, the term Jimmer the poll, because anytime Jimmer was involved in a poll across, I mean, anytime there was a Jimmer Fredette poll question, <laughs> BYU fans, he would win every single time. So it's turned into you Jimmer the poll. That's right. Yes. People probably think, do BYU fans have absolutely nothing else to do than sit no, on Twitter? No, we're just great and- multitaskers. <laughs> That's what it is. All right, you can hear Cougar Tailgate every Saturday on Sirius XM Channel 143 BYU Radio. But over on ESPNU Channel 84 this week, Sirius held a virtual pep rally for the two teams featuring their mascots. Fans were invited via Zoom, and it was a great time. Let's listen to some of the highlights. Thank you all so much for joining us for this virtual pep rally. Um, I'm Nicole Auerbach. He's Ben Hartsock. We are actually so honored to get to host a pep rally before the Western Kentucky BYU game. Obviously, they need no introduction. Cosmo and Big Red, they're really why we are here. Um, Wow, I feel like Cosmo is going to do some flips or something. He's got like the gymnastics background. Don't worry. Don't worry. Big Red has a great belly. Yes, I, I, Mm -hmm. I see. I know. Look, yes. Look, look at how beautiful Big Red is as well. Look at these guys, Ben. I just can't. It's such an honor to to share a screen with them. On Halloween to celebrate, we've all got some different costumes. I I had an outfit, but it doesn't quite work. Yeah, put it on. Come on. You got to see it. Let me see. I'll see if I can kind of tip my thing here. All right. We got to see it, and I will show you guys. I like it. I like it. We got a cowboy. My dog is here as a slice of pizza. And, and you see some of these different 
uh, the, the different athletic directors that have, have made that decision. I remember the athletic director of Chattanooga early on during this process saying, have team will travel. Um, I see Tom Holmo, BYU, in the comment section in the chat. Tom, what is your favorite thing about your mascot, Cosmo? Why do you think Cosmo was such a strong performer in the bracket? Well, I think that like one of my favorite back when I was a kid, I used to watch ABC Wide World of Sports and I think Jim McKay, it was, would say the color and pageantry of college football. And I really think that the mascots and the bands and the cheer squads, and I think they add an essence to the game. We don't really have that right now, Nicole. Some of these, some of these schools, when you get to a game, all of that's missing. So for my Cosmo, I played at BYU a long, long time ago. And my wife was a cheerleader here at BYU. So I was involved with Cosmo way back when, and it's, he's just been a, a very um, consistent, great performer. I think they're enjoying the game more this year than perhaps they have. Now, they don't, it's hard without the fans in the stands. There's a lot of attention that's gone. But then after the game, this is kind of an amazing thing. We have had some really good success this year, but after the game, the camaraderie, and the sportsmanship between the two teams after the game, I've never seen anything like it before. They get together because they're like, hey, it's like Sandlot. You, you know, after the game, you, you're down at the park, you played the game, you know, you, you're going home to dinner and go, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> We're not going to play them again. But the camaraderie and the, uh, the unity of college football right now, if you, look, if you look carefully or you know what you're looking for, you're going to see it. If Johnny Linehan, I see him there. He's a former BYU punter. He is now joining us. Yeah, well, I mean, people know that I like the attention. I'm always trying to stay relevant. So, I mean, I really am the Uncle Rico. Provo is a beautiful place, right? So I'm, I'm from New Zealand, hence the accent. You can guess which position I play on, on the field because I couldn't play any other position. I could only <laughs> kick a football. Um, but, I, but I think, like, Punters do everything right and kick. I mean, we got to catch. We can maybe pass. We can run. If you me, maybe not so well. That's what Coach Sataki is all about. He's all about his players. He's going he's gonna to die for you, but we're also, as players and former players, we'll die for him, right? And so we'll want to run through a wall for Coach Sataki because he protects us. He helps us grow on and off the field, and he's just a leader that I can look up to, not just in football, but more so in life. The best thing you do is uh, you have as a great team, a great quarterback, a Heisman contender. The more public publicity that you can get, the better for your program. Because at the end of this, if you look at an undefeated BYU team that has played, uh, what do you got, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, potentially ten games, and you put that against perhaps a Big Ten champion that only played five or six, boy, this is in a year where uh, wild things are happening. That's a very compelling argument that BYU can make. Um, before we let these mascots go, we do have a little bit of breaking news that we are told we can report. There may or may not be a coordinated dance routine involving both mascots during the first half of the game on Saturday night. So be on the lookout for that because look at these two. I mean, you can't even imagine two better mascots teaming up on the field for this game. <laughs> You know what, Lauren? There's nothing more 2020 than a virtual pep rally. It's no, all virtual isn't. these days, you know? Where people, the people have pom-poms over Zoom, like, yeah! 
I would hope so. I hope they did. Like if it's a virtual pep rally, you do everything you would do at a normal pep rally. You just do it on your computer. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm certainly uh, certainly hoping so. But yeah, that, uh, that that was pretty cool to actually get that going. And obviously, it was a nice tie-in with this week with BYU hosting Western Kentucky. That's right. By the way, Shep, I taught my one-and-a-half-year-old son uh, the Cougar fight song. Mm-hmm. And he loves it. It's what he he was always like, "Mama, ra 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 ra." He loves doing that part. I thought you would love that. It's uh, look, it's a great fight Talks song. Talks with the old heartstrings. There's, there's nothing better than teaching your children when they're young. I have honestly, I still the truth. on my phone to this day. I still have videos, and I don't have it with my two older kids, but with the two younger kids, when I had more, uh-huh. like, you know, the phone was more of a thing, right? I have video of them singing the fight song and the Go Cougs when they're like one and two, and I will never delete those. And now they're like, I hate you so much, Dad, <laughs> for making me do it. I'm just no, kidding. they're still young enough where Dad's still cool. That, <laughs> okay, that, that will change very soon, I'm You're sure. You're older, too, however. The older two think I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> ah, parenthood. On that note, thanks for listening. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time, or download, rate, and review our podcast wherever you get podcasts. Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. It's a spooky matchup with Western Kentucky this Halloween night and then Boise State on the horizon for next week. This is Cougar Tailgate.